All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, Brandon Cole here with my new friend, uh, Justin Giboney, uh from the AND campaign. Uh, really excited you would jump on and join us, man. I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Appreciate what the AND campaign is doing. I know I've shared uh, probably uh, more than I should even the amount of posts you guys have done. Many of them have your name attached to it. And uh, so I'm thankful for that, man. I, I, you've just given a voice to a lot of people. Uh, who didn't have one, and uh, and so I, I and I know it's not always easy to engage this space and to engage politics, something that for so long people said don't talk about it, don't bring it up, um, and then in that vacuum, uh, things like faith uh, got hijacked and put in different uh, categories, and maybe you or I would put them in, and I think there's a generation which which I'm excited about that that really wants to see this, see this conversation happen, see the things. Um, talked about, uh, even if we don't all agree on all of it. Um, I've said on multiple occasions that we can have the same purpose and different perspectives. And so I'm hoping that even today um, we would we would be people at the same purpose. And uh, and really, that is for us, at least in this conversation, to um, to engage our faith in uh, the political season we're in and beyond. Uh, that this is not all about just one day voting for one person or a group of people. Uh, but this really is about how we engage it beyond this. Uh, that just like a marriage, uh, it isn't just about the wedding day. And so I'm hoping um, that we can kind of model that for everybody. Hey, so why don't you just, uh, man, if you could just introduce yourself um, and and say hello to everybody and kind of tell them how you ended up here, how the AND campaign uh, came about. And then I'll mention a couple other things you guys are doing. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to have this uh, conversation. Uh, I am the president of the AND campaign. The AND campaign is a Christian civic organization that's trying to uh, raise civic literacy and also help Christians apply biblical values to the issues of the day. Uh, I'm an attorney by trade. Um, I am also a political strategist, uh, married, have three young sons, uh, and really do think that I've been called to a ministry uh, that deals with the intersection between faith and politics. Uh, we know that politics is sometimes something that's tough, tough issue broke uh, when it comes to the church because it can be very uh, divisive. But I don't think it has to be that way. I think if Christians really have a paradigm shift in how we think about politics and how we engage politics, that can, that it can actually be something that brings us together uh, if our identities kind of aren't in our political parties or our ideological tribes. And I'm sure that's something we can uh, talk about later. Yeah, we'll definitely talk uh, about that. Yeah, but with the, how I got here was just, you know, after law school and I was working for a law firm, I had a group of friends and we'd talk about politics all day or we'd be talking about uh, football. And one day when we were talking about politics, I said, hey, we, we should get into the game. Why are we getting so academic about this conversation? Uh, there was a mayoral, mayoral race that was coming up probably a year and a half uh, from that time. And so we literally just did some memos, researched all the candidates, chose a candidate that we thought was the, the best option and asked, could we help? And volunteering on that campaign, which ended up being successful, was kind of my intro into the, the political sphere. Mm -hmm. um, as time went on, uh, I, I felt uh, a tension that I, I needed to make sure that there was more space for faith based perspectives in a real way uh, in politics. And so that's when I started my journey to create uh, a campaign, really to what, what I saw as a false dichotomy in the public square, 
which is where, you know, folks who cared about justice would go to the left and then going to the left, they would kind of surrender some of their Christian convictions. Folks who cared about morality issues, uh, traditional mor morality issues would go to uh, the right. And in doing so, I believe that they would kind of uh, surrender some of the compassion that they needed needed to have as Christians. Where And I thought that was wrong because when I look in the Bible, I see compassion and conviction. I see yeah. uh, uh, an emphasis on justice and an emphasis on moral order. So the idea that those things would be mutually exclusive or in conflicts as they appear in our political landscape just didn't sit well with me. Man, what a, that's, there, you just touched on so many things. I, so much of why uh, I followed you and found you such, such an encouragement is because of what you just said. And we'll talk about the identity and politics in a moment. And uh, But you're absolutely right. This, this idea that everything has to be either or and not both and uh, is, is, well, it's damaging to all of us. We, we tend to not be able to hold more than one thought in our minds. And as Christians, if we, if we only can live in the either or, then we will only reach the either or. We will only reach the people that we've decided to side with. And so I, I think what you're talking about here is going, I, I'm willing to open up this thing and, and use my mind and my heart to engage this conversation. Uh, I want to talk about why we're in that place. Uh, before we do that, I want to hit the uh, the church politics podcast, which I've really, really enjoyed. You see that on uh, the wall behind him, uh, the book, uh, Compassion and Conviction, uh, The Christian's Guide. So I would love for you to jump on uh, the com uh, Compassion and Conviction book. You can find that on the End Campaign website. Um, and then obviously, for sure, for all the social media people out there, definitely jump on Twitter and Instagram, follow both Justin and uh, the AND campaign. You will find so many resources there. Um, uh, so, so important. How do you think we ended up? I, I, I love what you just talked about being with your friends talking because I, I would get done with conversations with my friends about things like this. And I would say to them, I wish we had just set the phone in the middle of the table and hit record. Uh, not because we thought everything we said was right, but because people needed to be able to hear multiple perspectives and to hear that you can talk about things like this. So why are we at a place where something like the end campaign is needed? Why are we in a place in our culture where it seems like we lob grenades more than we set tables, that we tend to yell with a megaphone rather than a handshake? Why are we in this place where things are so divided, so separated and and debate even or just discussion is 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 almost pushed back against so i said to our church that sometimes we ask questions and people read them as statements um why why do we get to this place where we can't do that especially as christians why do we as christians followers of christ why are we not able to um have those kinds of conversations you think yeah i think one of the issues especially yeah like you say for christians specifically is that we've kind of allowed our political affiliation to become religion in nature um, and that we place our identity and our purpose and our mission in what our political party or ideological tribe is saying. We even yeah. conflate that which is with, with that which is ideological which, with that which is theological. Mm -hmm. uh, so in many instances, you'll see Republicans saying things that they think are Christian, but that really are just ideologically conservative. Or you'll see uh, folks who may be more left-leaning, Christians who may be more left-leaning, talking about social justice in a way that's not biblical, right? Mm -hmm. and, and not realizing that, no, that's secular progressivism. That's not, you know, social justice from a biblical perspective. Yeah. And I think where we, when you go to that, into that space, it allows you get to be pulled into what I, I've called kind of this mob mentality um, 
when it comes to politics where you're just fighting for your side. You're so afraid of the other side. You listen to everything your side says and you think your side is perfect, but you haven't turned around and really been critic critical of your own positions of the ideology mm. or the party that you're following. Everybody can be critical of the other side and, and yell and scream at, at everyone else and demonize them. But have we taken the time to list out some of the perils or the errors that go along with our side of ourselves? And because we're not willing to do that, because we're holding on to these narratives that both sides provide us with and defending those narratives, whether they're factual or not, then we both lose credibility. So mm -hmm. both sides Christ in Christianity and outside of Christianity have no credibility with the other because we're, again, defending these narratives that in many ways are fictional. Yeah, man, that's yeah. The the uh, the, the tough part for uh, a lot of us is how do we you know, when you're when you're put looking at a ballot and you're having to choose one or the other. I've, I've made this joke recently that whoever wins should have to choose the other guy as his vice president so that there's no way they can not work together. Uh, you know, you see some of the uh, staggered voting in, in Maine. Um, I wonder for us as Christians, and maybe let, this is where we can get into the identity part of this, because I think for so many of us, uh, I heard this phrase the other day, and I've used it a lot, the standpoint epistemology, this idea that everything we interpret, we interpret from our own story. So our story gets put on top of the world in which we live, and everything is seen through that. And so when someone pushes back on uh, perspective or an idea, we don't just think that they're pushing back on the idea. We think that they're pushing back on our story. We think they're pushing back on everything we've built our life and our world on. And what, what you just said is, because is, I, I, I had someone text me a question for today, and um, I, I said, you know, well, should you uh, follow this guy if, if, if he's done this? Or I said, well, you should be able to celebrate what he's done well and correct what he's done wrong. I mean, there's, there's, if you won't have any prophetic edge to you as the church, if you have so fully identified yourself with one that you cannot correct it. Um, and so where, because let me read this, I wrote this down. Uh, it says the end campaign isn't against Christian participation in political parties. We're against Christians placing their identities and faith in political parties. We're against replacing the compassion and conviction of the gospel with flawed political ideology. So how do we, um, in this kind of age where people are asking you, they are kind of judging you as a person based upon uh, particular political beliefs, how do we remove our identity from the politics in which we're engaged? How do we make sure that our faith isn't in the politics, but our faith is influencing the politics? How do we kind of live in that space? Yeah, again, I think we have to do a deep examination of our side of the conversation. So if you are right leaning, then you need to do a deep examination historically and presently of where conservatism or uh, rugged individualism falls short of the gospel. Uh, and many people just haven't taken the time to do that. They, they feel that it's better than progressivism. Right. And so that's where the questions end. But politics and policy are so much more complicated than that. So much more nuanced than that to say, I'm just going to go with one side. But something that I always say, and I'm, you've probably seen it, is that to be conservative or progressive on every single issue at all mm -hmm. times, it's just intellectually lazy. Um, yeah. It's not really thinking through issues. It's just taking what you're, you're given. But it's also unfaithful. Um, again, if you are conservative, when the moment calls for change, when the moment calls for um, uh, kind of uh, changing unjust systems or institutions, 
then you're 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 helping with injustice, right? You're not right. necessarily on the side of justice. But again, if you're progressive, when the moment calls for moral order, it call or it calls for the regeneration of convictions and values that we need, then you're part of the problem of rejecting the truth, right? You're yeah. rejecting the truth in the way that society is instead of standing up against it. And so we have to do a thorough examination of where our side falls off. And when we do that, we can then engage conversation with someone on the other side because now we're willing to say, you, but here you get right. Uh, yeah. Now we can find some common ground. I'm not here to defend progressivism or Democrats at all. I will be, you know, it, when I enter into a conversation with a Republican, I'm willing to say, hey, here are some of the things you guys get get right. Um, and here's what we need to do better. But then I can also, you know, bring a challenge. And at that point, you've diffused the conversation to some extent because I'm not now coming in trying to make sure that my tribe is seen as faultless. No, I'm trying to have a real conversation and get to the truth. But too often we kind of go into those conversations with a posture of self-defense instead mm -hmm. of a of self-examination. And this examination, a biblical lens, not your own you know, whatever lens you want to come up with, but that examination through a biblical lens that helps people understand that. And I think reading our book, Compassion and Conviction, gives you the tools and the language to do that examination of your side. And I think people come out in a, a lot better after they've they've read that. Man, that's fantastic. I, I, I wonder if uh, for for anyone listening, one of the things I think we avoid with uh, with even self-examination, I think when we hear that word, it's like, you know, going to the doctor or going to the dentist, you know, they're going to find something. Um, you might be 98 percent healthy, but you, you got some things. And, yeah. and I think I think like you just said, with rugged individualism, we we don't always want to admit that or with uh, where we stand. And, and I understand to some degree why we are that way. Um, but but I. I wonder if for us, it is it is where we're finding our identity that is causing us mm -hmm. to not be honest about our viewpoints. Um, I don't trust a leader that never says where he messed up. Uh, I can't. Uh, I don't want a mentor that won't show me uh, where he's made mistakes. In fact, uh, what the, the, the science is that your brain grows more through getting something wrong than getting something right. Um, but only if you're willing to actually uh, get into that. I, I told a friend of mine, um, I said, you know, I think I think if I just heard more people say at the end of their uh, social media posts or whatever, if they just said something like, I think, or I don't know, but uh, hey, I'm processing this, these, these kind of statements that say, hey, I'm not trying to come in and be the end all be all. Um, but I but I think right now where I'm at is this. And I think that's the evolution of people is that in this process, even as a Christian, we understand our faith more and more and more as we grow in it. And for many of us, we, we don't allow ourselves that evolution. We don't allow ourselves this growth in Christ. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, you know, when it comes to politics, this is heresy, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to self-examine the mob, to ask questions and to think critically. You see what happens on social media. You question your side and the mob comes down on you. Mm. The other side is so bad. How could you question us when they're so bad? You must not really care about the issues or you must be one of them. It's yeah. all a device to make sure that you never really question what's going on because the, the other side is always too bad. It's always too um, a serious of a moment to really dig into what we're doing. And maybe if we have some fault, faults and that's really why we stay away from it, because we buy into that that mentality that we just have to take away from it and the courage 
uh, to ask those questions and to go about it differently. How do you how do you handle that? How do you handle it when someone comes at you on social media? I think we've got so many, you know, 24 hour experts and, and not enough uh, long term students when it comes to things like this. They they see something, they post something. And um, so how do you handle it when you post something and someone, you know, messages you or comments or uh, granted, some of it you just got to go. All right. I'm done. We're not going to handle that and leave it. But how do you engage that when someone comes at you a little bit harsh or difficult, has an edge to it? How do you kind of turn those kinds of conversations in a, in a climate like this? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things, if there's something that I can affirm in what they're saying, then I'll affirm something in what they're saying. Uh, if I, I've, yeah. I've made comments on uh, social media that weren't were wrong before. And if, if, they, if I was wrong, then I have to admit that I'm wrong. But generally, I, I also don't think that social media is the place for like real yeah. kind of debates. Um, it's just not the place to have a, you know, build a relationship and really understand one another. Uh, yeah. So so a lot of times I don't really even get into it a lot. I get a lot of emails that will go back and forth on sure. But usually because they're, I mean, usually these aren't about, these are about defending your person, right. defending your leader. Justin, you said something about the Democrat that I like. Justin, you said something about the president and how could you, and I'm like, dude, stop defend. Stop feeling like you have to de defend these people all the time, right? I mean, right. that's again, that's one of the ways that we lose credibility with people on the other side. Some of this stuff is not defensible. Some of the stuff right. you don't have. It's it's, <laughs> and that's a it is a it's a dead giveaway that your identity is in your party or your ideological tribe. Because me critiquing that person, even if you I'm wrong, why has it offended, insulted you personally? Right. If, if you have some separation with your identity from that person or from that party, you can say, well, yeah, I disagree with you. But you can tell in the reaction, like, he's like, no, you offended me. Well, your identity is probably too close to, to those things. And, and that's something that we need to look at. And I've been there before. So I don't say that it, it, as someone who doesn't understand how that can happen, but just as someone who, who sees the air in that and, and wants Christians to do it better. Yeah, I think I wonder, you know, especially with gosh, what a what a year to have. Um, uh, an election, right? In in so many of the things that that we're dealing with, from racial injustice to uh, COVID, to to on top of just everyday life, which has its own problems and difficulties, and election years that have its own uh, kind of things that come along with it. Uh, what a wild time to try to be making these decisions. Uh, one of the things that I I think is important, and I and I think both on the the intellectual side of things, and I. I think one of the things we don't do well enough with our mind, and that's why I appreciate the Ant campaign, because I think with our mind, we we think it's all intellect. There is a there is an aspect of this, at least in, in the Jewish writers, they would have said that it's also an imagination, that it isn't just how well can you process things, but how well can you imagine the future of what this could be? What could this look like? What what the, in imagining that, but then there's the other side, this emotional side. And when, when we're already in a culture where depression, anxiety tends to run rampant, it's one of the primary issues in our culture today. And then you throw on some of the, the things that we are dealing with as a culture currently, this kind of emotional, and maybe this may be too harsh a term, but there's a bit of emotional immaturity, this, this inability to handle the difficult things. And I don't know that that's anybody's fault. I just think that for some of us, it, it, it hits so hard. So then we, we react uh, rather than process, rather than talk it through, rather than we, we, this thing hits so deeply that, like you said, you post something about it and, and now all of a sudden you're the, you're the enemy, that now you are, uh, you're all bad, not just, you don't just have a bad viewpoint, right? You, you are a bad person. Um, 
And I think that's to sit here and, and to say, well, the Democrats got it all right or all wrong. Or like you said, the Republicans all right or all wrong is intellectually lazy. It's unfaithful. And in so many ways, it, it does lose our witness because we have been given something to look at. We have been given. Now, I, do I think there's some gray in the Bible? Sure. I think God gives us not always how exactly what to think, but how to think to really how to approach difficult conversations. But he also has given us things like the Beatitudes and the way we approach uh, mourn with those who are mourning. It doesn't ask you whether you agree with them. It asks you, are they mourning? Then go and get next to them, put your arm around them and be with them because I will fortify you. I'll comfort you. So those, these kind of like, we don't always handle these kind of things, not because we don't always intellectually process it well, but maybe just maybe because we are emotionally uh, drained. We're not in, in a year like this, maybe even more so than normal. And we're just not even giving it the time uh, it deserves and giving our heart to people the way they deserve it. I, my question for you on, on election day, November 3rd, now granted, I'm not sure we'll know November 4th who's, um, who's the president. I don't, I don't, I know, I've heard a lot of different things on how that could go. Um, you, you wrote this tweet, uh, I think this was actually you that wrote this. Uh, it says, win or lose, Christians have to remain sober after the results of the election are in. The immigrant, the uninsured, and the unborn will still need clear-eyed and persistent advocates no matter who wins the White House, Senate, and House. What do you do if the other guy wins, right? What, because I, I heard you talk about this. It wasn't on your podcast. It's on someone else's. And you were talking about this idea that this isn't just about who's sitting in office. It's about what you can do on the local level, what you can do in your neighborhood, on your street, in your sphere of influence. Don't abdicate your responsibility to be a champion for justice, for the marginalized, uh, for good policy, for moral order, all the things you've talked about, and, and leave it on November 3rd and move on. Um, how, what does happen post-November into January? How do you stay engaged? How do you make sure your faith is continuing to inform your politics? How do you make that difference, whether or not your guy won? I think, first of all, not get too high and too low uh, by having perspective on what this, and I talked about this on the last Church Politics podcast, but just ha on episode, but just having some perspective on what a win or loss means and what it doesn't mean. And I think too often we, um, you know, there are some people who don't take it seriously enough, but then there are a lot of people who take it too seriously and, and you know, make it the end all and be all that, you know, goodness has won if if my side won and evil has taken over if the other side wins. And it's just not that serious. This is a yeah. important vote. You should vote. You should your time make uh, the most awful decision that you can. But it's not the end of anything. Uh, an election is one part of the process. Uh, it's the end of one part of the process, which was the process to choose a platform and going to to be engaged with candidates. But it's also the beginning of a platform, a beginning of a process of holding these folks accountable, whether you yeah. voted for them or not. But especially if you voted for them, um, if you're able to organize, if you're ever able to really engage, you never know what you know, a turn that someone might take. But then also that national politics isn't everything. Uh, you can still get engaged on a local level and have some, a lot of cases or direct impact on your neighbor. So I would yeah. say, you know, some people are, I think, going to have to, after this election, kind of take a break from national partisan politics a little bit. Just kind of, you know, say, you know what, I'm not really going to get into it for, for a little while because I just need to chill. But there are other ways that you can give, get involved again, like the local level, which isn't so partisan. 
which may allow you to um, come together with people in your church and elsewhere in your community who are in a different party, but see that you do have some things you agree on. And that's what we need to look for those opportunities instead of always seeing politics through a partisan lens. I think Christians are going to really have to be peacemakers because we don't know exactly how the election is going to end or it's going to when we're going to have all the results. But we do know it's not going to be pretty. And if Christians aren't going to be peacemakers, I don't know who else is going to be peacemakers. And that just has to be based on our perspective of, yes, this is important, but it's also temporal. And it's also not the ultimate victory, which we already have. And if I can be a peacemaker, I can make things better because there's still people hurting. You know, that one election on that day, nothing has changed. So to be just ecstatic or to be down like everything is over doesn't make sense. You need to be sober. You need to be um, judicious, move forward, trying to do the best you can, understanding that uh, it's in God's hands and you're just a worker doing things to glorify him. Uh, so as long as your public witness is uh, one of integrity uh, and, and one that is really looking out for your neighbor, you're OK. Just keep trying uh, and and God will, will take care of the rest. Yeah, that's I, I think one for us is that the, the we the people statement should be something we all take into account. I mean, w- when we talk about the current cultural climate, we tend to blame politics for being partisan. Um, and then we go and look at our Twitter feed and realize maybe maybe we're contributing as well. And I, I think sometimes we, we don't want to admit it, but the politics might actually be the result of the people that we might actually be contributing to what we're currently seeing on a public stage. Um, and, and our ability to just open the table to people. Sometimes we're much better at putting a sign in the yard than, than shaking the hands of the neighbor next to us. And um, we've our homes have become fortress, fortresses rather than uh, neighborhoods. And um, I'm lucky enough, I live on a cul-de-sac with a bunch of older folks right around us. I don't know how it happened, but we we all know each other. They all come over and talk even when we don't want to. But uh, but we, you know, that idea, that kind of that kind of set the table create a space, create a place where love is primary, um, where love is uh, self-sacrificial, where love is uh, is strong. It endures all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It keeps no record of wrong. I don't know why people ask me to share that at their wedding, but they do. It's quite a high standard. Uh, but that is, that is who we are. That is as followers of Christ. Love is primary and it informs everything. And, and it will be the last thing standing. So if you want to be the last person standing, if you want to be the person who's able to welcome multitudes of people, love has to be the driving force. And love gets uncomfortable. Um, always will, always has. It's what Jesus did. It's the example he set. I, I want to, you, you wrote an article in Christianity Today. It's primarily about uh, racial justice. And, um, but I think it feeds into this. And I, I want to end on this and then give you a, an opportunity to kind of speak a bit more about the book. I'd love to kind of expand on that just a, a bit. Um, and then we'll make sure uh, we'll put in the YouTube link and on Facebook uh, where you can get all this stuff. Uh, But you wrote this. You said, if we want to show society that justice isn't just about an exchange of power or tearing down important institutions, then we must demonstrate it on the ground and provide a hopeful vision. So when you come into this and we're talking about justice, we're talking about some of the things that have become obviously primary in in even the election and what we're talking about here. What does that hopeful vision look like for you as you as you look ahead? Because for me, as much as it's it can be a bit toxic at the moment to talk politics and get into those. Although I, I, I enjoy being uh, in debates. I, I, people used to say I could make a good lawyer because I argued a lot. And then I realized 
Um, it takes more than that to be able to be a lawyer, which I think you can attest to. Um, and so I, I don't mind that conversation. I don't mind the arguing. Um, some other people do. But when when you look at the future, I, I tend to see, yeah, there's the toxic thing, but then there is the the Justins and the end campaigns of the world and the braver angels and these others that are saying, hey, this is not how it's going to work in the future. And it can't. This won't this won't win. This won't get us anywhere. Um, one side winning doesn't necessarily mean we win. And so how, what is your hopeful vision of the future? And, and you can go into justice, you go into racism, you talk about some of that, or you can keep it in politics or wealth. It's all going to kind of mingle together. But what is, as you look at this and as you look ahead, um, what is that hopeful vision that you carry as a Christ follower, both in the political sphere and in all the spheres that that might affect? Well, uh, to me, it's about being fully persuaded that God can heal this. And, and I believe that Christians can come together and put partisanship aside. It doesn't mean they have to leave their parties, but that we can put partisanship aside and join hand in hand and work on something like criminal justice and racial justice to show the world. And I think it would give us credibility to show the world that we can get this right, that we do care about justice. And I've said this before. I think, you know, our unwillingness, especially some majority Christians, our unwillingness to do justice and to really lead on the justice conversation, whether it be racial justice or justice, how those things connect. I think it weakens our ability to evangelize because I think it hurts our credibility if people don't see you loving your brothers and sisters in that way, especially given the history of, of this country. So I think that Christians can own that history, can grow from that history and grow together by advocating for one another and saying, no, no, we do so see some distorted uh, versions of justice out in out in the streets. We do see some. We we can be honest about that. But what is our response going to be? Is our response to run away from justice altogether because now it's too messy and people some people do it wrong, or is our response to say, you know what, those folks may not be doing it perfectly, but we'll show you what justice really looks like, biblical justice as applied to the the social context. That's the response we can we should give. And because there are Christians, a critical mass of Christians. In the Democratic Party, the Republican Party and all that, if we were to do that, that could give a lot of healing to the land. And I'm um, I, like I said, I'm persuaded that God can do it and I'm going to fight as much as I can to, to make it happen. I love that. The God can heal this. I love that. I think it's I think it's fantastic. And justice is uh, re- in the Bible, at least is restorative, not retributive. Uh, so we're not trying to pay someone back for whatever. We, we're trying to bring everybody to the place where we see each other the way God sees us, that we are equal standing and solid ground, that we love one another well. And, um, that's what Jesus did for all of us. And uh, I, man, I really appreciate this. I'd love for you to chat real quickly and then and then we'll jump off. And again, I know it's a busy season. I've got a lot of things to talk about. We could go into so many different things and I just appreciate you taking the time today. Um, give us a little bit more of a glimpse into the book and then we'll make sure we post all the links and send that out. Um, on on the book and what people will get from reading that. Yeah, as we traveled uh, around the country talking to people about the the intersection between faith and politics, folks were just asking. They loved the framework, but they were asking, "Do you have that can help us teach our you know pastors that were asking what can help us teach our congregations to to understand this uh, gospel center framework?" Faith leaders were saying, "Man, we we need something kind of to hold on to because this is great, but where you know how can we carry it with us?" Um, hmm. And so we we wrote the book for that purpose. We wanted it to be very much um, biblical centered. So you're going to see a lot. I mean, it is 
a lot of scripture in there. And we want to make sure people understand this is an application of scripture. It's not what Justin thinks or any other the co-authors think. Um, and then we want, you know, we want it to be accessible. We, you know, it's it's one of those things where it works on different levels. If somebody doesn't know a lot about politics and you're like, man, I don't know where to start. This will help you out. I mean, it goes from why should we engage to the separation between church and state? What exactly does that mean? All the way to how should we interact with parties? So it works for somebody on that basic level, but also someone who's been in politics for a while and just saying, man, am I doing this the right way? Is there a better way to do this? It would be helpful for them as well. So each chapter has questions and um, and exercises that come along with it. So it's very Bible study friendly, purposefully. Uh, and we think that you'll just gain a, a better understanding of how to engage as a Christian, but it doesn't tell you what to believe on every single thing. Uh, it's framework. Uh, and we think within a, a Bible center framework, Christians can disagree. You and I may not agree on the marginal tax rate, but when it comes to the sanctity of life, when it comes uh, to um, how we treat the poor, there should be a lot of common ground and we should be pretty close on what we what we believe in that regard. So that's what we were trying to do with it. We really do think it's a guide that will equip, equip Christians to be more faithful in the political space. Man, so good. I think we'll grab uh, uh, several copies, have them ready up at the church, and then we'll make sure we'll put the link in. Um, and Justin, I really do appreciate this. I've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, and I appreciate what you guys are doing, praying that it just continues to grow and grow and grow and, and uh, more and more people are able to engage in, in what it looks like to live with compassion and conviction. And uh, that's what Jesus was able to do. He was able to do both and. That's why we love him so much, uh, both to speak truth and give grace. And so th th this is so important in what you're doing. And so we're with you. We support you and, and hoping it all goes well um, out there in Atlanta. Uh, even as a Chicago Bear fan, uh, we're with you. We're supporting you. So uh, thank you so much again for doing this today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.